you know, for me, industry never made sense, but, you know, following the path, being a part of a company that has a good culture. I love the people that I was working with. Um, I believed in the product. I felt like I was, you know, making an impact on other people. All of those things mattered more to me than what product I was selling. I've sold nutrition products. I love that. And I've sold, you know, home, home remodeling products. I'm in the trucking business, right? So it's like, there's all these weird variations of products and services that I'm in business with, but that's not what my passion is. And to me, it came from those other areas, culture, people, impact, or, or whatever problem I'm solving is the person on the other side, you know, incredibly happy and et cetera, so forth. And those were the things that I was looking for that was important for me. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to tell your friends we're doing this so everyone out there can figure out what their path is. And we've got a guy on the show today to talk about how to find a path, the difference between a dream and a goal, success leaving clues, and focusing on impact and alignment with that path so you can stay longer and live more. We've got Max Alessi. He owns a house flipping business. He owns a trucking company. He owns a gigantic home improvement business. He's an entrepreneur, equity shareholder, came from Morristown High School in New Jersey. You can reach Max at M. Alessi at Home Genius Exteriors. You can find him on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of great stuff today to talk about. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Max Alessi, long time no see. The last time I saw you, we were in the beautiful city of New Orleans. We got to see my wonderful baby boy who's not so small anymore. And now you're making time right before the holidays to record the podcast with me. Thank you for coming to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's wonderful to see you there in your majestic D.C. waterfront pad. Looks wonderful. I'm kind of jealous. I'm not quite waterfront here. I got a peekaboo view, but I love your your waterfront view. And I want to start off the way I always start off as an excellent person. What is your definition of excellence? You know, I love this question. Um, excellence to me is very similar to success in, in the world where I don't necessarily believe you can ever acquire it. To me, excellence is defined in the pursuit. I would say excellence is a pursuit of, of high achievement. It's that journey of just continuing to pursue and, and take action on becoming the next version of yourself, the highest version of yourself. And it's a, in my opinion, it's a lifelong mission. So um, I would like to be a excellent basketball player, but my shoulders don't work and I can't reach above basically my head. Can I pursue excellence in basketball for years and years and years and become excellence? Or did I just find a hole in your definition? 
You know, that's a good question. It's kind of sports are one of those funny areas where there is that, you know, generic genetic component. Like, I don't think I could ever be an excellent football player. I'm, you know, 5'10 and Italian. So I do think in the world of uh, business that excellence can be achieved by anybody where leadership is prominent and the skills that you can acquire don't have anything to do with your abilities that are given to you as a human being. I think sometimes in sports per se and one or two other avenues, there might be some limitations uh, that, that you can't control. But I believe in business at the very least, everything is controllable. So you may have found a hole, but who knows? Let's keep digging. So you've taken a disc test. We have an episode. If you have it, if you're listening to your car right now at 1.5 speed and you're wondering, what are they talking about with disc? You need to figure it out because disc is a way to figure out where you should go with your career, to figure out what your natural aptitudes are. Maybe not aptitudes, but natural inclinations are. So, you know, I take a disc test. I'm a high D. I'm a high I. I'm a zero C. Uh, and I, let's say I decided I wanted to be an accountant. And I went the accounting path because I didn't listen to the Edge of Excellence podcast and I didn't go back and listen to the disc test episode, which I think is maybe episode eight or way in the early episodes. And I didn't take a disc test. So I just kept going down the accounting path because people kept telling me I should be an accountant. And I hate detail because I'm a high D. So I could go out there and pursue an accounting career for years and years and years. And the frustration I feel paying attention to all those rules and the frustration I feel having to follow the exact parameters of gap accounting and the immense frustration I feel when I enter the wrong cell in an Excel file, I enter the wrong formula. I wonder if you're going against your natural aptitudes. Maybe that, and I would argue that the pursuit of high achievement, a lifelong process aligning with your natural aptitudes. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, I think part of being able to stay on the path is it's an emotional game. And if you're doing something that you're just not good at, it doesn't align with your personality, you're going to quit and you're going to get frustrated. Um, you're going to be, you're going to find so much failure. It's not a fun path. You know, if you're super disciplined, you might be able to figure it out, but I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. I think you should find things that align with your personality that you enjoy, because when it gets, when it gets tough, you're always going to need to exert discipline, but it's a lot, it's a lot more fun to be taking that journey when it's in alignment with the things that you enjoy, that you're good at, that you can see yourself making improvements with. So. Yeah. I think about my, my angelic, perfect uh, example of a son. And I think about how, gosh, I wish everybody had a finance major because I wish I had a finance major. And I start doing the projection, projection, projection. And someone in the car right now is going, oh, my dad's like that. He projects on me. And I realize my son's a design dude. He loves design. So he studies design. He studies business. Going into finance, it would tear him up. It's just not, it would be four miserable years for him. And I know, you know, statistics, Econ. Those are the the classes that you know all my buddies had a rough time with. I had a rough time with. My son had a rough time with. You know, becoming a statistician because you know you're misaligned with your aptitudes and you're misaligned with your emotion might make it next to impossible to be excellent. But if you're pursuing high achievement and you understand it's a long term process and you're gauging your emotional and your aptitudinal alignment, you can find excellence according to your definition. Right. I would agree. 
All right. Um, I just want to say, and we are going to get a photo of you. You didn't send me a photo yet. We're going to put it in all the artwork, but I want to say you have excellent hair. And as a person who also feels he has excellent hair, however, at my age now, I'm starting to see some windows, starting to see some windows in here. And you know, just like I know, a guy like you, a guy like me with beautiful hair, beautiful looking person, we're going to have problems when we have windows, right? Yeah, that's for sure. You're going to have to change the style up. I know a guy that can give you a good stage, shorten it down a little bit, make do. So I have an excellent barber. Or, or, or what if to. I went that crazy way that some of my buddies do, where you just take a little slice out of the back and splash it in the front and hope that nobody notices? We all <laughs> notice. We all notice. Just shave it. Well, that's not for this, this age group. This age group doesn't care about their hair falling out because they got perfect hair and everything's going well and they got a beautiful future. And what we're trying to do here today is help them understand what a path to a future might be. And we got Max here who's got a couple businesses and he flips houses and he's got a trucking company, but his day job or his seven day a week job or his 12 hours a day, seven days a week job is running a very rapidly growing, prosperous, wonderful brand in the home improvement industry. And we want to talk about what you do and how you got there. So we're going to go way, way, way back. We're going to go back to Morristown, New Jersey, Morristown High School. And what were you like in high school? Probably had great hair, probably had huge muscles. You're sitting there in high school. Everybody's admiring your physique and you're realizing, oh, you know what? I got to get myself together here. One day I want to have a badass apartment on the water. One day I want to have these big titles and these big jobs and these big checks. So what was life like in high school? What were you doing there in Morristown, New Jersey? Where, oh, what, what were you listening to? What bands were you listening to? Better say the right one. Man, in high school. Bruce um, Springsteen. You were listening to Bruce Springsteen. You're uh, from New Jersey. <laughs> maybe Everybody maybe a little Bruce this. Springsteen. This was before electronic dance music came out. So I was listening to a little bit of rap and a little bit of rock. So there may, may have been some Drake and Little Wayne going at our uh, high school. Well, event. we're <laughs> we're not going to get into anybody lying. We all know that everybody from New Jersey dresses up in their skin tight little pants, puts on their chains, goes out, um, has a great time, drinks way too much, comes home and hooks up with their roommates. We've all seen the show. And as the show goes, is how New Jersey goes. I wish I had some Bruce Springsteen to play in the background. But other than Bruce Springsteen and going down to the shore and hanging out with Snooky, what were you doing in high school to get yourself to where you are today? You know, I wanted on the record that I am from the half of the state that is civilized. It's called South Jersey. So if I could have my way, if, some, if you ever become president, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch you of splitting that state in half because the Jersey Shore was filmed, <laughs> filmed in the north with those uh, New Yorkers. But nonetheless, yeah, in high school, you know, I, I've always been really motivated. I've always wanted to, you know, achieve in the things that I that I did. Um, I couldn't really get passionate about school, though I was good at it and I was disciplined enough to get good grades. But sports was kind of my vice in high school where I could exert, you know, my competitiveness. And um, I worked out a lot. Uh, I kind of felt like that was where I could, you know, feel like I was winning, um, you know, stay on the treadmill longer than somebody, you know, lift a little bit more, just compete in a certain area. I played football, I played lacrosse uh, for the school. But then also, you know, I'm playing basketball with my buddies and, you know, a bunch of the other stuff. So I was an athlete, a student athlete. I got very good grades um, because my parents did a good job of making sure that although I wasn't necessarily inspired yet in, in education, that I, you know, did the things that I needed to to take the next step and uh, exerted my, uh, my, my energy and competitiveness in the sports world. So your dad and mom would come home from the bar fight that they were in and uh, sit you down at the table and say, 
hey, you hate school, but you still need to do school? And what would they do to get you to continue? to continue to work, to get good grades. I know you're a smart dude. I'm a smart dude. School is pretty easy for me. My, my daughter works so diligently. I don't have to say anything to get straight A's. She just caught I, this morning. My son called me at three in the morning, which was interesting because the line at the airport coming home from college was like two miles long. And he called me and said, what do I do? I'm going to miss my flat. And I said, get in the first class line, of course. And, uh, so he wanders to the first class line. Then he doesn't have first class. So I have to send him my Delta card to show that he's platinum and see if he can work his sales skills to convince him that he's using his dad's platinum card. He never really studied all that hard. So I don't know. Um, my daughter just did it naturally. My son just kind of, I mean, he worked really, really hard, but he didn't, he didn't put his, it, I, my daughter was up at three in the morning was what I was saying. Wake up at three in the morning. Got to get a picture of my Delta card. She's up studying for English tests. I couldn't believe it. What did your parents do to get you to get in there? What did they say to get you to get in there? And someone's on the call right now and they're still in college. A lot of people aren't in college anymore on the call, but they're uh, on the call. Someone's in their car listening uh, and they're still in college and maybe they don't want to study that much. What did they say to get you to study? You know, I really admired my parents. So I, I took their advice seriously. Um, and, you know, they made me understand early that there are certain things that you don't like to do that you just have to do to, you know, be successful in life. And they made me understand that school was one of those things. You know, I was bought into the idea of getting into college was a key next step for me to have some opportunities. And so it was really just a conversation where, look, you don't have to love it but you have to get the job done. So if you want to do the things that you enjoy, we're going to require you to, you know, get school accounted for, you know, I got to be honest. It wasn't, I wasn't up until three in the morning. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I needed to be, um, but you know, I got the stuff done at the last minute and was very accountable for it. And I ended, I ended my uh, high school career with some decent, decent marks. But. So your parents helped you focus on the end in mind. And there's a lot of people that may be their last year of college. Remember the last year of college? You're like, I am so done with this. I cannot write another paper and kiss another butt. I cannot study a bunch of stuff that I don't care about just because my professor cares about it. But you got to keep the end in mind. You need that little piece of paper. So your parents kept telling you, hey, you get that piece of paper framed on the wall. It opens a bunch of doors. If you can get yourself in a position to get uh, into a pretty good school, it might open some even some, some bigger doors or some different doors. So you're focused on the end in mind and in sports, you're staying longer and you're lifting more, but you weren't staying longer and lifting more in class. You were just naturally, you had a natural aptitude to good grades. Yeah. I kind of figured out the formula in school of what I needed to do to, to get to pass by with the grades that were acceptable to me. Now, granted, I had a high standard. It kind of was part of myself, you know, my pride, especially realizing that I was I guess naturally a little bit, you know, intelligent, I would say, if I, if I were to be so bold. So I figured out what I needed to do to put the just enough hours in school to, you know, achieve what I considered acceptable. And, and my, my parents kind of helped me set that bar. But in sports, it was different. I really enjoyed it and I, I wanted to compete. I, I'm not the most naturally gifted athlete, um, but, you know, I, I felt that working harder gave me an edge. So that's kind of what I, put my focus on. And that's what gave me confidence going out to play is that, you know, I was prepared. I was, I put in the work, I was bigger than people. I was stronger than people. And, you know, that was what I believed at the time. So you've got your end in mind 
But in addition to having your end in mind, there's a difference between, I call it dreaming. I want to go to Harvard. I want to start a business. I want to be a millionaire one day. Well, that's a dream. That's not a goal. Um, and, and you're getting there with the dream. Goals start with dreams. You've got the end in mind. But in addition to having the end in mind, you have to know what you need to do to achieve it. So you knew what you needed to do. You had your end in mind. And then you stay, stay longer. I love the metaphor of staying longer and lifting more. You could say worked harder. But you stay longer. You lift more. You got the end in mind. You know what you need to do. And you follow a path. Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer um, in what you just said in, in the sense that everybody, you know, wants to do something great. Like the biggest misconception, in my opinion, is that, you know, there are unmotivated people on earth. Like everybody wants to achieve something, right? And so in my opinion, the difference is when it gets hard. Like that's, that is the, the X factor. It's not that, you know, when you're working hard and you're feeling it, you're like, you know, one of the motivated ones in the group. That's status quo. You know, people get excited. They set New Year's resolutions. They, you know, have big dreams. Nobody wakes up saying, I want to be, you know, broke and miserable. And, but, you know, people can't get through that part where it starts to get really tough. And that's, that's where I think winners really thrive. So I, I learned that young, thankfully, from my parents. And I've, I've embodied that ever since. So everyone wants to achieve. Everybody. They want to achieve in something. They want to make a mark on people. It may be different than us. It may be uh, not monetary. I, by the way, broke. Would you say broken what? Unhappy, miserable. I mean, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, right? So, so, so uh, I've been broke before. I've been broke a couple of times, but I started off. My family started off. We didn't have a lot of money. We weren't broke, though. My parents skipped some meals. They watched me and my brother eat, and they didn't eat, but we weren't broke. They followed a different path. They came out of, my dad had a theology degree, came out of college in Notre Dame with a theology degree. And my mom came from England and I think she wasn't allowed to work for a while. Um, they had no money, but they weren't broken unhappy. There's plenty of people I've encountered where money flows and it flows in different ways. For some, it flows like a river and for some, it trickles. And you can be happy and you can find passion and you can be impactful and you can make a mark on the world with money flowing like a trickle. In fact, I, one of my friends lost his brother, rest his soul, and his mother started this charity in Orange County. She's one of the 50 most influential people in Orange County. Um, she never had a lot of money. Um, she, and anytime she had a lot of money, she gave it away. But what a happy woman and what a contagiously happy woman focusing on her charities. And there was a license plate that I saw. I used to work at her charity every Thursday. I put my kids on my, on my backpack when they were little. They learned to speak Spanish at this charity, giving away food. I went every Thursday in the mornings before work for half the day because I'm an entrepreneur. And when you're an entrepreneur, you can do whatever you want. So what I wanted to do was go to this food bank for half the day. And the woman that ran the food bank had a, had a uh, sticker on her car that said, live simply so others can simply live. I've never, I've never lost track of that. You don't have to be chasing cash, but you're probably chasing impact or you're probably chasing achievement. And there's a difference between dreaming about it. So how do you come up with your past? You've had so many different paths. You had a great path through college works, boom, 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 hit all the numbers, did all the things, got all the titles, boom, 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 straight out of the 
into the big world. And then you start getting all the titles again in a different company and then end up um, owning it. Uh, you have side businesses, buying and selling houses. You've got that trucking company, moving freight, kind of a weird combination of businesses. <laughs> so you keep setting these goals and you keep making new paths. What's your process to kind of begin with the end in mind um, and to figure out what you need to do to get to where you need to go? How do you do that? Yeah, you know, it was quite a journey for me to figure out what was my path. But one of the things that I've always focused on, I got fortunate, I, I met a role model early um, that gave me some really good perspective and information. I, and I think that's something that, you know, we might talk about later of being a key ingredient to success is finding, you know, a way to get good information. But one thing that I was told really early is that you should make decisions on what opportunities you want to take based on the person that you will become in the process, not what you will make or not not even necessarily what industry you would be in because it's really hard to connect the dots early. I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but you know, I knew that, you know, whether it was doing college works or some of the other ventures that I was a part of, I was around people that could teach me things and I'd seen themes in success that trans transpired industries and, you know, and those are were what I was chasing. So it was all about just becoming a better leader, acquiring more skills and eventually opportunities present themselves and you can kind of find the industry that you get fired up with, or to be honest, you know, your passion comes from the people that you're working with. And I just believe you can take a couple routes to get there, but, you know, becoming the person that you need to, to, to have those opportunities or to be able to execute when you get those opportunities is one of the most important things. So if you're, if you're not, you know, the person that knew they wanted to be a surgeon at age five, like I wasn't, Chase acquiring skills, becoming a better person in the world of you know leadership or these interpersonal skills, et cetera, so forth. I think that's really important. So one of the, and by the way, I wanted to be a surgeon and I went to a surgery when I was 12 years old. It was a brain surgery on a four-year-old boy. And I'd done the coloring anatomy coloring book. I'd read like a whole medical school textbook to prepare because my mom didn't want me to do this. And so she made me jump through these hoops and I went and they stuck the tube down the kid's throat. They didn't slice his head. There was no blood. They stuck the tube down his throat so he could breathe. Boom, I'm on the floor, passed out. There goes my surgery career. Um, right. So you didn't you think, thank God I did that. Could you imagine going to medical school and then figuring that out? So right. as you're looking for your path, one of the questions you ask yourself is, what will this do to me as a person? How will this enhance my development and make me into what I want to become? What else are you? doing to choose your path? Well, you know, I'm sticking with something for a bit, to be honest. Like, I, I'm not a big believer in, you know, jumping ship at the new shiny object, right? Like for me, I was always around from the second that I got, uh, quote unquote, motivated in the world of achieving in business and leadership and just trying to find opportunities. Like it's almost like my, you know, reticular activating system. I was just hearing opportunities everywhere. Like when you buy a new car, you see the car everywhere. Like I'm, I'm thinking about going into sales here. College work is making sense. So I'm I'm seeing a lot of different stuff, but it's you don't want to be the guy that kind of chases all that gets excited every six months about the newest thing. So I picked something that made sense to me. I stuck with it, you know, through and through. College works was one of those things that I did for, you know, six to eight years. And that's where I really saw some dividends. So I think I'm not the guy that has the answer of like, how do you pick your perfect industry? You know, I, I never, I never knew I would be running a remodeling company and I love what I do to the nth degree. Like if you were to ask me what, it was funny, I was eating dinner with, you know, um, some people a few nights ago and they're like, what's your dream job? I'm like, 
this is my dream job, but it's home remodeling. Who would have known? So, you know, for me, industry never made sense, but, you know, following the path, being a part of a company that has a good culture. I love the people that I was working with. Um, I believed in the product. I felt like I was, you know, making an impact on other people. All of those things mattered more to me than what product I was selling. I've sold nutrition products. I love that. And I've sold, you know, home, home remodeling products. I'm in the trucking business, right? So it's like, there's all these weird variations of products and services that I'm in business with, but that's not what my passion is. And to me, it came from those other areas, culture, people, impact, or, or whatever problem I'm solving is the person on the other side, you know, incredibly happy and et cetera, so forth. And those were the things that I was looking for that was important for me. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. All right, so you're looking at what person you'll become. You're sticking to it. And there was an episode I did with my brother who's been incredibly successful, chief of staff of Microsoft and did all these things. And he talks about sticking to it for at least a year. You go off and you do something, stick to it for at least a year. Um, and, you know, you, you don't become a black belt unless you have stick to itness. You don't become excellent in a sport unless you have stick to itness. If you don't like it after a year, quit and go find something else. But you got to get through some ups and downs. And then the last element, you're looking at the people around you. Are they lifting you? Are they empowering you? Are they helping you find your excellence? So those are three of your decision filters as you look down passing. And you've been on a few paths. You've got three professional paths. You've got social paths. You've got your yacht club there below that awesome apartment. And I'm sure as you go look at where which yacht club you want to belong to, you're looking at the people. Are these people going to lift me? Are these people going to help me enhance my excellence? Am I going to want to stay in there interacting with those people? What opportunities will I have when I'm there? So those are some of your decision filters to help you find your path. And if you're in the car right now uh, listening to this, you might think about what am I doing right now? Where will it take me? Who am I surrounded by? You are the sum of your five closest friends. Can I stick with it? And if I can't stick with it, have I given it enough try? Uh, have I given it that full year like my brother Jerome says? Well, that's super cool. And so you're going through high school and you're playing all these sports. You're playing lacrosse because you're on the East Coast, but now lacrosse is on the West Coast too. Um, you're doing football, building up those giant muscles, lifting longer and staying longer. And then you head off to college and tell us uh, what life was like in college and what you did to get ahead and find your paths in college. 
Yeah. So it's funny because the analogy that you made earlier of, you know, that senior year um, being checked out, it was like the opposite for me. So I was pushing it by my senior year. I was super locked in. I was kind of playing catch up from, you know, a lack of discipline on the school side and, and getting reengaged. I came into college. I didn't know what the heck, you know, I was there for. Um, I was good at math and science. I started as an engineer and I lived, you know, I lived in a cool apartment and started having fun and was going to class, but I, I was having really trouble picking a major, getting engaged in the classes. And I didn't have something to do with my free time. And so that was kind of a problem for me. I've never not been busy. I've never not had something to compete with. So, you know, I just was partying all the time and just, I was looking for something, but I was not really happy with what was going on. And, you know, I got fortunate because I ran into some people that had what I wanted. Like I found some role models that got me to kind of make a connection of something that I could focus my energy and my motivation into, you know, college works was one of those things that my, my second year in school, you know, my first job was selling nutrition products. My role model in that regard was someone that was in high achievement. And I kind of saw a path where I could get passionate about the process again, like I did with sports. I could get passionate about the person I was becoming like I did with sports. And so, you know, business and these different, you know, performance-based opportunities kind of became my sport in college. And then I was a new person. I haven't looked back ever since. Got motivated to finish hard in school and wound up bringing my, you know, GPA into, you know, uh, Dean's List marks by the end because I had something to prove. But, you know, I was the person that in the early stages of my college career had no idea what I wanted to do. Did not have a quote-unquote sport to play. So I just resorted to having fun with all of my buddies. Thankfully, you know, I was open-minded enough that when I came across some people that I thought could help me get to the next level, I, I believed in the opportunity and took it seriously. And I haven't looked back ever since. So if you're driving in your four-year-old or five-year-old M4 right now, because you have dreams of making a mark in the world, think about what was just said. An idle mind is a dangerous thing. And I, I remember in college, if I took 12 units, I did horribly. If I took 18 units, I did better. Getting, get it, getting not, not busy, getting productive and getting more productive and getting more productive. If you're on the edge of excellence, you do better when you're doing more. And, and you look at Max here, he's working 80 hours a week. He started a home improvement business that's growing 100% a year. And in addition to that, 80 hours a week, okay, it's time to take a nap. No, it's not time, time to take a nap. It's time to go down to the yacht club and sail around with some peers and some buddies that are going to lift you. And then when you're done with that, no, it's still not time to take a nap. It's time to go find another house to buy and improve and uh, make a mark on. And then you can take a nap. No, you still can't take a nap because you got to go figure out who needs to have something moved from point A to point B and send the trucks out there and the people out there. And people might sit there and go, hey, that's impossible. That adds up to too many hours. No, it doesn't. Because if you love it and you're on your path and you have that end in mind, it doesn't feel like work. And if you can say if some, my parents have always been amazed by, I love my job, like for all my life. And, and I've had a bunch of jobs. I had the EO gig. I love that. I started a bunch of companies. One of them was a chemical company. It was the biggest pain in my ass. I lost a lot of money, but I loved it. I loved the game. I loved the puzzle. I love playing. My parents like, no one your age loves their job. I'm like, really? Everybody I know does. If you find something you love and you're on your path, it doesn't feel like work, right? You just keep doing it and doing it. And it's a game. It's a, it's a puzzle. So you're having a good time. 
You're in college. Can we talk about those role models? You said we would come back. I think you have some special secret sauce for our listeners on how to identify role models, how to engage with role models. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm just a big believer, like, you know, the age-old adage that success leaves clues. It's not even clues. Like, you know, success is 100% intentional. Like, there's a blueprint to getting whatever you want in all of the aspects of your life. Like, if you want to have a happy relationship with your spouse, take advice from people that have great relationships with their spouse, right? If you want to be really healthy and, and fit, right? You want, This is something that we're not new to as people, right? You hire a personal trainer, but I'm just a big believer in finding people that can teach you something that have that, you know, result. So I came, I came across some individuals that I could see myself being like, I admired their character. I admired their skill set. I admired their work ethic. I admired their income. Like I just admired things about them in the avenue of business in that regard. And so I started to ask questions, learn, you know, it's funny about successful individuals. They'll be the first to want to teach and tell you all the secrets because it's, I've never met someone that was successful that wasn't willing to share. So I don't know if you've had that experience, Matt, but you know, I, I love when people ask me questions because I'm just like, man, you know, this made this information made such an impact on me. I want somebody else to have it. If I didn't meet those people, I would not be where I was today, right? If I didn't believe in their stuff. So, you know, it's the responsibility, I believe, of the person to find, you know, leaders to plug into and you don't just go floating around hoping that you bump your head into, you know, some information or you could, you could lose a couple of years, right? That's not something that you can tr- control. But if you seek, you know, people that are winning in different avenues, whether that be business or whatever you're interested in and talk with them and find a way to implement some of the things and stay committed to, to good information. And by the way, half of my role models and mentors are on the internet these days. So I'm like always listening to YouTube and podcasts. I love, I love this podcast. Just getting around good information has been something that has kept me going. And it started off with people uh, in the physical um, while I was in college, but it's been a, a life, a, a lifelong conquest for me of to continue to study people that are successful and try and learn, you know, what, what it took to get there and implement that in my life. And to answer that question, most, I mean, I, I sit, what I do is my, in my hobby time is I go to EO meetings, the Entrepreneurs Organization, or I go to YPO meetings, Young Presidents Organization. And the whole thing, that what those organizations are, are peer sharing. And it's a bunch of successful people sharing what they've done. So you can do it too, or you don't do it. So it goes both ways. And to answer your question, I do find that most people are willing to share. I do find, I call it people that lift. I find it's 99 people that are lifting the world as they move forward to every one that's squashing the world as they move forward. So I, I have interacted with people not very often that are stepping on people and stepping over people and they're focused on their personal success at all costs. And they leave what I call a nasty wake behind them, like the wake behind a boat. They're going too fast in the slow section, just ruining everybody's docks. I see that, but it's one in a hundred times. And I don't hang out with those people. I don't hang out with narcissists. I don't hang out with selfish people, which is a narcissist. I don't hang out with people that aren't willing to share. My friend group is based on learning and growing and sharing. And I put myself in situations. I do find them. And I also find that people are willing to share. But there's a caveat. If you're worth sharing with. So if you're in your car and you're listening to this and you're the type of person that goes and asks questions and seeks information, and you're looking for a path, people are going to want to share with you. People are going to want to engage. 
there are every once in a while, probably once in a hundred again, there's the person that just wants to talk, talk, talk and tell you how great they are and tell you, well, that's not fun for someone that, that you're looking to be in a mentor role or have as a mentor role. They want to see you take it and use it. And whoever your mentors are, they want to know, Max, oh my God, you're crushing it. And then they want to feel like they're a little part of it. I, I coach these kids on getting into college. And one of my, you met Lisa. Yeah. And Antonio Kings. Yep. Uh, yeah. Lisa's son is uh, one of the, yeah. One of the people I, I uh, coached in college and he got into the college he wants to go to and he wanted to go to university of Miami. And like, I feel so excited. I feel like a very small piece of it. He had wonderful parents, wonderful, wonderful parents, wonderful step parents. He's got a great dad. He's got a great mom. He's got a great stepdad. Just he's surrounded by wonderful people, wonderful professional teachers and administrators. Just everybody around him is wonderful. But there's a little piece because I helped him with his essays and I helped him understand Miami. And we talked about fishing. There's a little piece of me that feels like I helped him be successful. So I'm glad I could mentor him through that. And now what I'm going to do is get Spencer's fishing buddy, Spencer Pepe. Uh, I'm going to get his fishing buddy down in Miami to hook up with this guy and he's going to become the greatest fisherman in the world. And I can't wait for a year from today to hear Vaughn go, Hey Matt, I went fishing and I forget the guy's name. I maybe been fishing when he's a really big guy. Like he must weigh 400 pounds. You know what I'm talking about? I know who you, I don't know his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about, but you've been on that boat and that dude could catch some fish. So I can't wait to be another part of that and be a little bit more of a piece. Cause if you're in a mentor role, you, you want to feel like you're winning too. So you're So success is leaving clues. You're finding people that you admire and they are partially those clues. And then you're asking questions and staying engaged. I call it being interested and interesting. Both sides, not just interesting, interested and interesting. So you find these people and now you say some of them are online. So some of your mentors don't even know that they're your mentors. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, it is hard to get successful people's time sometimes, right? Especially when you're a young kid, right? You know, you're, hey, can I interview you for 15 minutes, right? So my mentors, I happen to be in business with. That was the, you know, that that was what was nice, right? I, I, I went into business with people that were leading me and I earned the right to have their attention. I was the hardest worker in the room. So, you know, that was my leverage to kind of get their time. But um, for things where I couldn't necessarily find someone to sit down and give me the answers, I yeah, I, I was looking them up. I was listening to what their perspective was on TED Talks and, and YouTubes and, and podcasts and, and all of the digital forms of media that we have. That's been a big part of my conquest for achievement. So you're you're looking for role models. You're looking for mentors. You're looking for insight into what they've done. And you're looking to constantly learn. So when you're driving in your car, you're not listening to music very often. You're listening to these podcasts and trying to get a little bit of learning as you go. Podcasts are great. Audible's awesome too. So I love listening to books. Um, everything from uh, stories that have meaning, like some Ogmandino when I was in sales, or you know some of the stuff that's a little bit more nuts and bolts. Maxwell for leadership. Jocko is one of my recent things with extreme ownership. So. I'm a big audible guy. Any form of medium that I can get in my ear as I'm moving around. I do still listen to music. I'm not, you know, totally disciplined to the point where I've deleted my iTunes library, but I make sure that, you know, I'm getting, I'm keeping information in the forefront of, you know, my brain all the time. So 
And I'm assuming probably one of your greatest mentors is DJ Polly D. You got it. That's how I get the hair like this, the muscles. I got my spray tan plug from him. <laughs> so you know that everybody watches Jersey Shore, all age groups. Every person in the world goes through a Jersey Shore period in high school and early college. Sure. And everybody knows that everybody from Jersey looks and acts like Pauly D. Yep, you got it. I did see him one time in an airport. So I'm in the airport in, uh, in uh, Canada. And we're coming through. We've already checked our bags. We're going through customs. And there's Pauly D and, you know, a couple of his entourage people. And there's like four of them. Two of them are these big, fat dudes. One of them's this little guy. And then you got Pauly D with that ridiculous hair. And they all have two suitcases. And they've already checked in their luggage. They're going through the customs line. They all have two suitcases that are like five feet by two feet by four feet. And they're right by me. I'm sitting there looking at them. Where do you think you're going with those suitcases? But they're from the Jersey Shores. They didn't get good grades in high school. <laughs> um, back, back to the stuff. I, by the way, I listen to this podcast every Tuesday. And I just laugh my ass off on the way to work at myself. I think I'm so funny. I don't know if anybody else laughs, but I do. <laughs> I think you're funny, Matt. <laughs> I'm having a great so you have this path of first your parents impacting you and helping you understand that you got to do some things that you don't want to do to get to where you want to do. And that's a hard time, a hard concept for Gen Z. Um, you got all these things. There's a misunderstanding of what it took to be a Kardashian. There's a misunderstanding of what it took to be a Palmer Lucky. You got to do some things that you don't want to do so you can get to do the things you do want to do. So your parents help you understand, get the end in mind. Your parents help you understand, you know, you're going to have to go out there and get the grades. It's not just sports. And if you want to do the sports, which you love, we're going to make you do the grades later on in life. It's not the parents that do it anymore. It's life that does it. And if you don't get down and grind out whatever you got to grind out, you're not going to get to whatever point you want to get to. Uh, Max and I both love our jobs. There are days Max and I hate our jobs, but overall we love our jobs. There's things we don't like to do like this time of year. It's going through the financials. It's always frustrating, but I know I have to do it. So I can get back and engage and teach and help people learn and grow. So your parents help you find it out. You find this, this uh, role model thing. You don't have to invent everything yourself. You can go listen to other people. You can talk to other people, see what they did. And you get on this path. How did your success surprise you or did it not surprise you? How long it took surprised me when I got all fired up and motivated. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was going. You are a Gen Z. Yeah, you you expected it at age twenty, and oh, oh you got to work for it. Yeah, right. You don't get to be a millionaire and retire at thirty-five. I've had like three episodes just on. I want to retire by thirty-five and live off my money. Sorry, doesn't work that way. How long? How long it took? How old are you now? Twenty-eight. <laughs> oh my goodness, twenty-eight whole years you've been. <laughs> Wow, it's taken a long time. Okay, so how long? What what else surprised you? You know, it, what really surprised me was the how fulfilled I was going to be um, in the industry that I'm in. So, you know, I kind of just went all in on getting better, finding a performance-based environment where the better that I got, the more I was able to achieve and grow, et cetera, so forth. And I was started out in painting, which I never thought in a million years I would be in. And I can have continued in home modeling. And you know, all of the things that I thought I wanted to do um, that I thought made me happy because I, sports was like my thing. So whether it was in nutrition or a personal trainer, how, how do I kind of incorporate that desire 
into my career. I have no desire to do that anymore. You know, I love to stay fit. Um, that's a, that's a hobby, but I get so much fulfillment. Um, and that surprised me a lot. So my, you know, what, what gets me fired up on a day-to-day basis is, you know, being in charge of a sales team or being in charge of an operations team, or, you know, from a leadership perspective, being able to help the people that are, that are trying to take the next step grow and teach leadership principles, help them develop skills. It's kind of like that ideology of being a mentor. Um, you get so much fulfillment from that. And it also happens to grow the business, which is why it's, it's been so awesome. So I love what I do. That surprised me a little bit. And, and if I could kind of impression backwards onto my younger self, it's like, don't spend so much time trying to find the perfect industry. That's not what it's about. If you're in a, if you're in a, a, a company that has a great culture, you're in a position to make an impact, you're, um, you're, you're doing a service for somebody and they're really proud of the product that you're able to deliver, you know, within reason because customers are picky sometimes, right? But you get the point of that. Those are the things that give you long-term fulfillment, in my opinion. It's not just, you know, it doesn't just so happen to be the, the product or service or industry that you're in. So that surprised me a fair bit and I'm happy that it did. So your definition of excellence is it's a pursuit of high achievement. It's a lifelong process. It aligns with your emotional uh, well-being and your aptitudinal well-being. So the lifelong part, did that come way late in your life, like in like the 26th or 27th year? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was like working really hard for a long time and I was getting a little bit of validation. I was growing and I was making some money, but, you know, it was a grind. Like it was a long period of, I, I mean, I worked from sunup to sundown and, you know, giving up weekends since my sophomore year in college. And I, to be honest, I can still count on one hand how many weekends I haven't done something for business like this year, right? But there is a point where you kind of get over the hump where some stresses go away, right? You get enough, whether it's financial validation or you start to kind of see some things happening where now it does become a game. I'm not stressed for bills anymore. I really am start. I've, I've earned the right to be in leadership, right? I paid some degree of dues where I was able to get over the hump. And that's, that's when, for me, I don't see a world of retiring because there's no, I enjoy this, right? I'm just going to, I'm probably going to run a business when I'm 80 and just be like, you know, this old badass guy that's like, comes into the board meeting, but I enjoy it. It's always just a new, what would I do with my time if I wasn't working? I don't know. I'm not the guy that wants to sit on a beach and like look at the sand, you know, it's good. It's good sometimes, but let's get back after it and do something cool. Well, uh, there's, there's studies done. The average male dies within three years of retirement. When I heard that, first of all, I didn't know what I was like. If I go to, if I take two weeks off at Christmas, I'll take some time off and go on vacation. Um, but if I take two weeks and, you know, my, now my kids are of age where they don't want to go anywhere at Christmas, I go completely nuts. I can't do it. Going to the beach, it's my least, I live on the beach. It's my least favorite. I never go. It's my least favorite thing to do. I can't sit there. I got to be doing something, which maybe is, I, I, I'm glad that my uh, my spiritual coach isn't listening right now because he doesn't listen to my podcast, but he'd be sitting, or my other spiritual coach, Joe John Duran, who might be listening right now would tell me, no, 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 you need to figure that out. So we're in pursuit. And, and you mentioned, you mentioned that it's always a pursuit. The show's called the edge of excellence because you never get there. I need to listen to Joe John and I need to go meditate more. I need to figure out how to relax and sit on the beach. I need to be able to not do something. And I have been able to before I need to be able to do again, but you mentioned something. It's patience. It's patience. And Gen Z has been wired to not be patient. They get it. We used to call people on the phone. There was no answering machine. You'd have to wait a day. I used to make tapes for my family in England. 
We tape them, send them to England. They tape something, send it back. You'd have to have patience of interaction. Now you get texts. You'd have to have patience of feedback. Now you put up something on Instagram. Learning patience is is necessary for success. And I often find when I get anxious and I'm, you know, excited for something to happen fast, it happens much more slowly than if I just relax and act patiently. So you learned patience at a young age and you learned um, the ability to pause and look around and patiently, you said, stick to it, stick to something until you find that edge and you find that um, passion. Yeah. And were there any sacrifices? Were there any sacrifices along the way that you made that you look back? And at the time, like I remember missing those spring breaks and those weekends and wow, this is a big sacrifice. I'm glad I never went to spring break. Is there any that you made that you never regret? You know, I made a lot of sacrifices with my time. You know, my advice, like I get asked the question a lot. I don't know if I have the right answer for it of like, you know, if you could go back, would you, do you regret how hard you have worked? The the overarching answer is no. What? I think I had. Who asked you that? I hope you fire them when you, when they ask you that. No, no, no. In the sense of like, do you feel like you've missed anything? And if you were to go back, would you have done it a little bit differently? And I think I had a great formula um, where it's like, you want to be present for the big things, right? Like you don't want to work so hard where you're not able to like still uh, burn yourself out and not have some degree of maintaining relationships with family. Like I never missed holidays. Um, I didn't miss the, you know, like uh, important birthdays of my closest friends, or I made sure to take some degree of a vacation to have, continue to maintain relationships. But man, I gave up weekends the way everybody else was doing weekends. I gave up Netflix and Xbox and all that evening wasted time. Like that, that was the biggest sacrifice that I made. And, you know, I would encourage anybody on the earth to do that. Like that, that was where, you know, I was able to achieve so much success so early. Cause I, it's just time, man. Everybody has the same amount of time. I was putting more into getting better and working on my craft and, you know, bettering my business, et cetera, so forth. And I was able to, if you want it to happen fast, work your darn butt off. Right. That's <laughs> That was my thing. I'm like, man, I can't wait to get to the next step. Let me just, you know, mow through this thing. So yeah, I gave up the weekends, most of them, right? I gave up the evenings, um, the trivia night. Those, you know, you look back, those, those, I didn't, I didn't miss anything, right? You know, the every single day drink on a Saturday, right? It's like nothing's happening there. It feels in the moment like you're missing something, that FOMO. You're not missing anything. The the rest of your life and enjoying your life and being able to have a path where you know you're not looking to retire, you have so much fun, it's so much more worth it. And you know, that's just a, a principle that I live by. Like all of those things that you give up, the, the getting up and going to the gym feels so much better to be healthy than like, you know, miss up of those small little discipline things. The when you eat healthy, giving up those crappy meal all the time, you feel better, right? So that that concept of like giving up the stuff that has instant gratification, that FOMO, that feel good now, that's so like programmed in our, well, I don't know if it's our generation or whatever it is, but as human beings, I feel like we crave that stuff. That equals like long-term pain and frustration. If you're able to have that short-term focus and discipline, you get long-term fulfillment. So I wouldn't like, you know, block everything out. I would, I would make a, a little bit of a list of the things that are important. Um, and this is just me looking back and, and, you know, take it as a grain of salt, make sure you hit those. Don't like, you know, miss Christmas cause you're working too hard. Right. But man, you know, the routine day-to-day stuff that adds up over time, you got to get rid of that. Man, if you want to be a high achiever. Presence for everything in the short term equals 
not present for big things in the long term. If you do everything and you do all the day drinking and all the parties and all the concerts and all the music festivals and all the fraternity parties when you're young and then you get out of college and you do all the weekends and all the evenings, you will not be present for the big things later in life because you'll be working for the man and you won't be able to leave work and go to the doctor with your kid. You won't be able to skip the weekend before whatever projects do to go to your best friend's wedding because you did all that when you were young. So if you're not making choices of what's really most important and skipping the little things now to get down to business, you pay the price later, right? It's got to be present for the big things has got to be a long-term focus. And a lot of people, we don't interact with very many of them, and they're not listening to this show, so we're preaching to the choir. You're not listening to this show if you're present for everything your friends want to do and everything your mom wants to do and everything your best friend wants to do. You've got to pick and choose. And I'll butcher the quote, but you were talking, uh, you probably stole what you just said from the Dalai Lama. That which brings immediate pain brings long-term pleasure. That which brings immediate pleasure brings long-term pain. And I think about ice cream versus the treadmill. Sit in bed, eat a bunch of ice cream, tastes so delicious. Mm -mm -mm. And it is pleasurable right now at 11 o'clock at night while you're laying in bed. But you're going to be on that damn treadmill for an hour to pay for that. The treadmill, 30 minutes of the treadmill every day, keeps yourself, your physique nice. When you're older, your joints are working, everything's working. A little bit painful to be on that treadmill now. But in the long run, uh, it brings pleasure. That's what work is. You work, work hard when you're in your 20s. You get to choose when you're in your 50s. You screw around and go to all the parties and don't get anything done in your 20s. You're so far behind. You're working for the man till you're 70 years old. And we will end it with that, Max Alessi. I want to say thank you so much for making time to call in from your potential COVID quarantine mansion on the water and share your insight and share your path. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Thank you for being on the Edge of Excellence. Thanks for having me, Matt. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.